Welcome to the No Shame on You podcast, where we talk to mental health professionals, educators, and advocates. No Shame on You is a 501c3 organization dedicated to eliminating the stigma associated with mental health conditions and raising awareness. Our goal is for people who need help to seek it, for family members and friends to know how to provide proper support and to save lives. Now, here's your host, No Shame on You's founder and president, Miriam Ament. Welcome to the podcast of No Shame on You, an organization dedicated to eliminating the stigma associated with mental health conditions and raising mental health awareness. My name is Miriam Ament, and I am the founder and executive director of No Shame on You. Today, we are joined by Eitan Mayer, who just finished his second year of college. Um, so we're so happy to have him here. Hi, Eitan. Uh, so wonderful to have you here. Hi, Miriam. What a great way to start the the summer quote unquote. <laughs> right. yes. always nice to finish with those finals yes uh, so we spoke we last spoke a couple months ago we're doing a, a series with you a podcast series um and i wanted to know how you've been doing since we last spoke a couple months ago um yeah um so i've been doing again like i said in my first podcast for those who are religious followers of the no shame on you podcast um um but um I, again, within the within reason, I've been doing okay. Um, the end of the semester was hard. A lot of it was very kind of just a lot of work and whatever. Um, but I'm here, thankfully, thank God. Um, and I'm, you know, um, I'm again. I'm more optimistic as things start to open up, um, and hopefully, um, vaccine keeps on going because I've been hearing that it hasn't been. But anyways. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm doing relatively okay. Okay, we'll we'll take that as a okay. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. I hope it gets better and better. Um, yeah, day the okay turns into something even better. Yeah. Uh, so turning to mental health, which is what our um, podcast is about, uh, you have been very open about going to therapy, and I wanted to know if you'd share with our listeners what started you on the path to therapy. Whatever you want to share, obviously. Don't share what you don't want to share. Of course. Um, so it's a great way to kind of segue into the topic. Um, I started, um, I, I, I have a, there's a history of mental health conditions in my family. Um, and I started, um, I, 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 I've had ADHD since I was, ADHD is not really a mental health condition, but in some ways it is. Um, but I've had, you know, ADHD since I was a kid and whatever, and had issues and, you know, that kind of stuff in school. Um, and as I, um, in, you know, I started in going into fourth grade, um, visiting a regular uh, psychotherapist, um, regular, just kind of run of the, not when I say run of the mill, I mean, I, I don't mean that it's, you know, just mundane, but, but cause you know, therapy is nothing but mundane, but that, um, that the, um, that it was regular eclectic psychotherapy. There was no specific kind of bend, philosophical bend to it. Um, I began doing that um, when I was in um, going into fourth grade. Um, I had been with the same psychotherapist for almost nine years. Um, and at the end of senior year, um, I had been noticing that um, one of the issues with my therapy was that not not the provider or the type of therapy was that I knew how to talk about my emotions. I knew how to, you know, and I'm not perfect at it, but within reason, I knew how to talk about them. I knew how to sort of, you know, really analyze them. But the problem was, is that I would encounter situations where I would 
kind of like be like, well, what do I do here? And I, I'd sort of be kind of stuck in this, you know, I know what's happening. I don't know how to solve it or I don't know how to do, find, cause I, I knew how to do a lot of problem solving, but problem solving doesn't do everything. You can't use problem solving. It's not a foolproof kind of thing, you know? Um, and so I had to, and, and my parents had been, you know, my mother had been talking about DBT for a long time. I, my, my therapist at the time recommended it to me, many people, social workers at school, whatever had recommended it to me. Um, because I, 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 I suffer from severe depression and, 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 you know, it was, it was apparent that it wasn't, not that it wasn't doing anything, but there was something missing. Um, and I started uh, DBT when I was about like two months out from graduation, um, which was a v- graduation of graduation of high school. Yes. That- and just quickly, could you also um, define what DBT is for our listeners? Yes, I apologize. I'm sorry. I I, I, I get so used to it. So DBT stands for uh, Dialectical Behavior Therapy. Um, it was started in the late 80s, early 90s by Marsha Linehan, who, um, her, who, who herself was a clinical uh, psychologist and researcher, um, and she suffered from borderline personality disorder. And she actually, um, you know, received CBT, cognitive behavior therapy, and noticed that there were deficiencies in the um, the the ways that CBT was effective for her because borderline uh, personality disorder is one that's is marked by very high emotional dysregulation. There's a lot of kind of going back and forth. There's high intensity in terms of emotions. And she noticed that CBT wasn't helping her in that area. And she decided to develop DBT, dialectical behavior therapy. Um, And now it's been used, it's especially geared to people with uh, BPD, borderline personality disorder, but it has also been effective for people who have depression, anxiety. Um, It's it's really, it really targets people who are severely emotionally dysregulated um, at its core, which can be a lot of different people who have a lot of different mental health conditions. So I started two months out from the end of graduate, uh, end of senior year of high school. DBT is um, group therapy. It's a, there's 24 weeks of skills that are taught. Um, there are four modules of different skills, which include emotional regulation, uh, interpersonal effectiveness, mindfulness, and um, distress tolerance. Um, and all of those are taught in a group setting. Um, and that's about two hours a week, um, every week for about 24 weeks. Um, and you go through the module, you learn skills, um, that are relevant to that unit that teach you how to, when you encounter certain situations about how to react, um, they also teach you, and they're not just like skills, like for in the moment, they're also talk to you about interpersonal effectiveness skills and that kind of stuff. Um, and while you're in group therapy, you also see a individual psychotherapist, um, and um, that you're doing it in conjunction. And when you finish your skills, your group, you then continue with just meeting your individual therapist. And sometimes they have like graduate groups where you like meet for once a week for an hour and review stuff, which I've been to a couple times and I found very useful. You know, I, especially it was during the heart, the heat of you know the height of the pandemic, and having a community to talk about that kind of stuff was really um, powerful. Um, but um, yeah, it, it it's a very I, I, I'll explain a little bit more. DBT is 
in addition to it being, it's a, it, it sort of stems from, it's a third wave cognitive therapy. It stems from CBT, which is technically a second wave cognitive therapy. Um, and the, 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 in addition to the kind of the emotional dysregulation piece, the, the heart of DBT is focusing on the dialectics. And a dialectic is when something can be, um, two opposing things can be true simultaneously. Um, I can be sad about something and be happy. And there's also a lot of Buddhist teachings um, talking about mindfulness and kind of Zen Buddhism that are in kind of weaved into DBT. Um, it's very, very eclectic within its own regard, um, you know, with, with the dialectics and with Buddhism. Um, and a lot of the, um, yeah, so that, that's essentially DBT. It, 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 um, it's a very, I, I don't think a lot of people know about it. And that's why I wanted to talk about it. Um, because I think that it is, there's a lot of things that I've learned that are not just about my mental health, but, you know, among other things that our DBT has been able to sort of help. So, yeah. Great. Uh, thank you for, for sharing uh, what the process looks like and, and a little of the history. So what do you, what do you like so much about it? I know you're a bit, you want to let people know about it. What is it that resonates so much with you? Um, so what resonates with me is that, you know, many times, um, there's been a lot of times in my life where I've suffered from, you know, invalidation from certain people and whatever. Um, and, you know, m many times when I, I would suffer from, you know, looking at things from the extreme or looking at things in a very black and white kind of way. And I would, you know, say, well, I'm really sad and nothing has improved. When in actuality, things in that instance improved, it's just, it wasn't where I wanted it. And I thought that, I couldn't be sad and and kind of, you know, there there's a, there's a motto in DBT. Um, three there are three mottos. One of them is you know, people are always doing their best, and they can always change. There's this there's this inherent kind of thinking of people are going to do their best no matter what, um, and and it's a key thing in DBT is to use and instead of but because but is a very can be very invalidating when you say, but you're, you're in my mind, you're sort of negating the, the first half of the sentence. And when you say, and you're saying, well, this is true. And you're holding, it's like holding two cookies in a hand. Right. That's the best metaphor I can come up with in the moment. Um, and, um, and for me, that was really helpful because I began to understand that, you know, my sadness is, is not, um, it's not in a vacuum. One and two, it's it's it. There's there's you know I I because you, you can say that it's your your you know I'm sad and I'm happy and I'm you know I'm happy about this and I'm still sad that this doesn't really quite meet what I want and um that that's really where for me where it kind of comes into play is that you know it. There are certain things in my life that have improved, definitely, thank God. And there are certain things that I would like to see more of and I want to feel more of. And, you know, um, and, 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 and part of, you know, part of sometimes I think that in psychotherapy that I would experience that there's a lot of, 
there's a lot of the, the 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 role of a therapist, and I I and and just as a background to our to our lovely lovely listeners, I I had to do a in addition to my knowledge about it as a as a as a client or as a participant of GBT, I'm I I also did a research paper um, about it, so I'm a little tiny bit more informed than usual, but um, I you know part of the therapist's role is to be an unconditional ally, no matter what. Um, even though that might be hard sometimes because, you know, whatever, but um, is to, yeah, is to be an unconditional ally and at the same time to point out error, er, er, areas where there's, you know, um, where the, the client might not be doing things wrong, but, you know, we like to say in DBT, not wrong, but ineffective or use less judgmental language because right and wrong are very, are very subjective. Right. Um, exactly. And, you know, using effective and ineffective, it is subjective in a sense, but it's also, I think that there's, you know, I can say something's effective and you can say that it's not effective. Like it, it, it's a, it's a, it's a perspective thing, but it, it, there is some inherent objectivity to it. So um, I, for me, it, it's just really helped kind of see, um, remember the the two the two things that can exist at the same time um and it's also really helped me in the sense of like i said in the beginning of the podcast there are there would be times when i didn't have dbt under my belt that i would walk into situations and i'd be like well i'm feeling this way i really don't know what to do and it would sort of and and what would happen is, is that in that moment i would be like you know I, i'm gonna you know I'll talk about it with my therapist and next time when I see them next. And, and it would, you know, I would remember it, but I wouldn't have a way to solve it in the moment. And it, it would just kind of, you know, keep going, keep going. And DBT really provides me with the opportunity to look at, look at a situation and say, this is happening to me. This has happened to me before. What do I do about it so that I don't get more emotionally dysregulated? And, um, you know, um, what's really nice about DBT also is that, you know, there's a phone coaching line, which essentially means that I can call, it's 24 hours, I can call a number at my, at the practice where I see my therapist and there's a therapist from the practice who's on, you know, on duty and can answer it and can help me talk through a situation that just happened and kind of see where I should go from there, you know, some to, to look for, to provide some skills um, that I could use. Um, so that to me is also a very, very appealing factor is that it's not just, I see you once a week and then we're done. Um, which I don't think it's like that with regular psychotherapy, but it's a different, in times the need the psychotherapist might say, well, here's my number in case you need anything. Where, and I might feel bad about doing that because that's not, but DBT, at least in my practice is that there's, there's a, there, it's a given that you can call this number and you can talk to somebody. Um, and so, yeah. Is that specific to your DBT experience or is part of DBT, if you're in a DBT group, there is always someone on call to ask questions to? Um, at least in my practice, I know that that's, it depends also on the, on the level of, of you know, the practice and the, you know, this, because there are practices that are like, you know, practice, you know, CBT, DB, there, there are practices that are, you know, have different versus my, my practice, the practice I go to is one that's specifically solely based on DBT. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it just depends on the rigor. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just think we should be clear about the expectations that that it's right. I yes, thank you. I apologize. That it's not it's not a given. Right. Um. You know, it's it's um. It's not a given. It's it's, but it's that's my experience. And I and I, I to be honest with you, when I looked up but looked it up on Wikipedia, the multiple times I have, there is a thing about phone coaching. So it is part of it. Whether all practices use it, I don't know. But right, mine does. Okay, okay. And I just yeah. want to. Yeah. yeah. No, of course. So it sounds. I mean, obviously, it's something that you you really uh, enjoy and have uh, learned from a lot. Do you feel that it's transformed your mental health journey in the sense that you? a situation that maybe a year or two ago you would have had a hard time with, you now have, have to uh, approach? Um, yeah, I, I, I do think that that's the case. I think that um, when I first started seeing my therapist, who I love deeply, and if she's listening to this, thank you for everything. Um, and um, when I first started working with her, I I was going through a lot of just kind of struggles with the end of the year and, you know, a lot of, you know, just different things in terms of, you know, relationships were ending and, you know, I didn't do anything wrong in those relationships. And I, I, I suffer from a lot of invalidation and, and it's, it's something that I, you know, hold with me and I continue and it, it's something that I'm continuously working on. And DBT was like tear off a page in a book and start of start anew. I had done a lot of things about talking about my emotions and, you know, working through them. And it wasn't, I do that, do that today. I, I, and I, I think I'm good at that. I obviously still need improvement and whatever, but I think the, the is really finding a way to DBT has really helped me kind of analyze my thoughts and not just talk about my emotions, but, you know, we call it metacognitive, you know, thinking about thoughts. That's literally what is is a, is a is a stalwart of third wave cognitive therapy is is the idea of you're you're thinking about your thoughts and and you know for me that has really helped me um, think about them and kind of realize well maybe this is making me more emotionally dysregulated than I need to be maybe this is causing me more kind of you know sorrows or problems that I, you know, need. And so um, it's affected me that way. It's also affected me that, you know, I am, um, I was a very judgmental person. I hold, a, I wasn't, well, when I say that, I mean that I was very um, critical of people and that, you know, I would, you know, because then again, the black and white, like I mentioned in the beginning, it was a very kind of one way, you know, to quote the eighties song, one way or another. Okay. Um, to all of our, uh, you know, baby boomers and, and Gen X and other people, millennials, maybe, um, you know, I don't know the name of the song, but lyrics come to mind. Um, and um, I, I, TBT allowed me to sort of look at it and say, well, you, you know, um, if, for example, if somebody cut me off. I would say, oh, they're a horrible person, which sometimes I still do because I'm not perfect. And, you know, there are moments of, you know, I, I don't have road rage, don't worry. Um, but um, that I could say, well, they did this. It was a, you know, a kind of an asinine move and whatever, and they cut me off. Okay, yes. That doesn't mean they're a bad person. That the, 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 
you, you th th that's what I'm saying about the validity and the, the two things holding true is that they could do something wrong and then not say something about their complete, you know, their whole character. So it, it really kind of helped me, you know, um, just, just look at things more effectively and more kind of balanced and not be so hung up on the right and wrong or, um, and it also, it also helped me realize a lot of things that, you know, to validate things that I've been doing and to sort of say, like, you're doing the right thing and there are things that you could do different. And that's part of, you know, is that there, there's, you're always going to be doing your best. And, you know, so yeah, that's, there are so many, um, there are so many different ways that DBT has helped me. Um, and um, I just, yeah. Great. Um, so I thank you for sharing. It's very helpful, I think, to our listeners to hear someone talk about a firsthand account and be so open. So I very much appreciate it. I want to close with uh, a question um, about what you would say to someone. People have said to me, um, and I don't agree with this, as someone who's been going to therapy for many years, people have said to me, um, going to therapy is like renting a friend. What would you say to those people to help them understand that uh, going to therapy is very much not uh, simply renting a friend? Um, one, I agree with you. Um, I don't, I don't think that it's renting a friend because I think that you, you know, you, for me, therapy has been, and I don't mean to like, be like, you know, the poster child of therapy, you know, I, there are plenty of poster childs and plenty of people, but, um, I think that therapy has the ability to, it's not just a way to, unload your crap onto somebody else. It's a way to do that and to learn from it and to learn about yourself. And, you know, I consider my therapist, my friend, um, but there's a, not a friend in like, you know, but I like, you know, I, 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 when I, I can text her if I need something and she might not always respond because she's busy, but sometimes I, we share TikToks with one another. Like, you know, it, it is a, it is a, it's a friendship, but it's not, in that way, it's there. The, 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 you're paying them to. That's what their job is. That's what they're there for. And I understand that can seem a little invalidating, but to say, well, it's their job, and it's that's their, you know, the, you should just, you know, don't feel that way because it's their job. And I get that. That's invalidating. And I think that there's, there's, there's a way to, in my opinion, that, you know, you, you and I have felt this way also about, you know feeling like I've used my friends as therapists and um, it, 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 I, I, you know, I get that. Like, and I, I, I think that it is a way for you, in my opinion, to not worry about what you think and not worry about how you feel because a therapist, when you walk into a therapy session, you essentially you don't have to worry. I'm not saying that's actually what happens because sometimes people overthink. I do it also. But the intended design of therapy, barring Freudian and other types of, you know, that kind of therapy, is to speak your mind. And and your your therapist is there. There are many times where I ask my therapist to if she can talk for what we call check-ins, which are, you know, 20-minute calls. Because I just want to, you know, 
sound something, you know, I use her as a sounding board right. and that's okay. Um, and I think that is really, it, it's, to me, it's not renting a friend because I, I have friends. Right. But this is somebody who knows me more than my friends and, and knows a little bit more kind of in a, in a one in an academic sense or in a, in a professional sense about me that can go beyond somebody who um, is just my friend. So I, I disagree with that characterization. Um, I think everybody should be in therapy. I think it's very important for people because even if you don't like go through problems right then and there, or if you're not going through problems in general in life, there are times where I walk into therapy and I'm like, I don't have anything to talk about, or I'm like lost. And one thing, another, and maybe at the end of the session, I leave and I'm, you know, upset. And not because the therapist did anything wrong, because I went through a session where I talked and I didn't think it would, you know, be anything. And we talked and somehow one thing led to another and I revealed something, you know? So I think that there's a lot of opportunity with therapy. So, yeah. Well, well, thank you so much. Thank you for sharing your opinions on that and your experience with DBT and just sharing your journey and helping so many people. It's a pleasure. My pleasure. Okay. And I look forward, um, I know we have other stuff on the horizon, so I look yes. forward to being on, in touch about that. Thank you. Okay. Take care. Thank you so much, Eitan. Bye.